five four three two one. Um, if you want to do it that way, or you can just you can I can clap. <laughs> we have to. Oh yeah, but that's why we count down together. If we count we down have to together, count down together. Okay, yeah, let's count so down together. Okay, ready? We, yeah, from five. From five. five. Okay, this is okay, like when you... I bungee jumped. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, start again. Okay, from five. 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 Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> from five. Okay, ready? Five, four, four, three, three, two, two one. Are you small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. What did you say? You are a sad, strange little man. Don't call me stupid. Hello and uh, welcome to The Best Bits, a movie podcast where each week we pick our favourite scenes from randomly selected, weirdly specific themes. This is your co-host Kevin Leanne, a writer of one and a bit films and three and a bit episodes of TV. And I'm joined for the very first time by my co-host and writer of three films plus a Christmas special, Will Collins. Hello, Kevin Leanne. Um, <laughs> we're doing this, Kevin. We're doing it. Yeah. We're doing it. You know what? Isn't it great to be like pioneers in the podcast scene? Like, you know... <laughs> you know, just to create the world's first podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm thrilled and excited and I really don't know what is what's ahead of us. Um what are we doing, Kevin? Who are we? What are we doing? We're 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 coming into this racket about ten years too late, but um <laughs> <laughs> But it's lockdown and you know, everybody's sort of starting a podcast and why not us? Why not? Yeah. So Kevin, hey, who are we? What's the story? Who are what where are you who who the hell are you, Kevin? How do you answer that? Who am I? I'm a screenwriter. Where are you from? I'm from Cork wasn't born there but i was brought up there um and i've just been a screenwriter as as long as i can remember and wanted to get into movies as long as i can remember but i wrote one film called grabbers and um i've also done some tv i wrote uh, an anthology series that was based on neil gaiman's work um that came about two years ago and that those are my sort of produce credits but i've been working consistently for the last 10 years so i'm a, a screenwriter and a film fan what about yeah. you? I, I, I too am from Cork, and um, I say you might can you can probably tell it more from my accents, even though it wavers, even though I have, I have a country accent. But you see, I haven't lived in Cork for since nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety seven, as a matter of fact. So I have this like mongolized accent, but like the Cork is still there. When I talk to people up here, I live in Donegal now, and they just say to me, "Oh yeah, you're from Cork, yeah," and I'm like, "How could you tell?" Was that possible? Um, but yeah, I'm a screenwriter as well. I, you might most noticeable films are um, most recently uh, Wolf Walkers for Cartoon Saloon. I also wrote Song of the Sea with Cartoon Saloon. And my first uh, uh, feature was a film called My Brothers, which was a kind of a low budget Irish independent film seen by very few people. I think five people on Letterboxd um, like it. <laughs> and what's the Christmas special? I wrote a Christmas special called Angela's I co-wrote a Christmas special called Angela's Christmas, and that's uh, on Netflix. This week, the topic uh, that we decided to, to sort of land on, which would be a little bit more um, easygoing on both of us, seeing as this is our dummy episode, essentially, and that's favourite scene from a favourite writer. Yes, and... I what and what we're going to do is Kevin's going to I don't know what Kevin's scene is and Kevin doesn't know what my scene is so we're kind of looking forward to I'm looking forward to uh, hearing what your pick is. Well, I had a whole other different writer in mind, and then I started to look back through their their films and watch a lot of their films and sort of fill myself in on the, the blind spots, and I changed my mind. 
but the writer that I did end up picking, um, he was in a poll recently uh, that Vulture did, and he came in at number six, and he came in behind um, Billy Wilder, the Coen brothers, Robert Tone, Tarantino, and Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, to give you some more clues, because I want to see if you can guess it. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame, the WGA Hall of Fame, three times with three different scripts. Uh, he's a novelist, an essayist, uh, a playwright, a script doctor, and a screenwriting guru. And if he didn't write the Bible on how to screenwriting, he's definitely written one of the Gospels. And he's won two Academy Awards. He won for Best Adapted Screenplay, and he also won for Best Original Screenplay. Is it William William Goldman? It is, yeah. <laughs> so, I didn't know that William Goldman had a brother. He had a brother called James Goldman. And his brother won the Academy Award for The Lion in Winter in 1969. And the next year, William Goldman won the Academy Award for Butch Cassidy. He, sorry, he was, his brother was also an Oscar-winning screenwriter. Yep. And the winner is yeah. James Goldman for The Lion in Winter. The winner is William Goldman for Butch Cassidy. <laughs> So, William Goldman, he had a fascinating life. He was born in 1931 in Chicago. His mother was deaf and his dad was a drunk. So you can imagine what that household was like. He wrote his first book in three weeks. Oh my goodness. And that took him into the movies. Once he was in the film business, he was off and running. And uh, he started writing his own original screenplays. And he'd been investigating the story of Butch Cassidy for uh, many years up until that point. And he decided to write it as a, a film. You know, he was working with Redford then, and Redford brought him in for all the president's men. And follow the money. I was shocked to learn that uh, if he could do his life all over again, he would write all the same scripts again, except for all the president's men. He What? Yeah, he did not like the experience he had on that, uh, working for Redford. He wrote more drafts of that script than any other script that he'd ever uh, done in his career, and he just hated it. He wow. didn't like the film, but he won wow. the Oscar for it, so, you know, swings and roundabouts, I guess. Yeah. Um, He's someone who adapted an awful lot of work from other writers and he did an awful lot of Stephen King um, adaptations. He did Misery, of course, and Dreamcatcher, which, you know, it wasn't the best film, but I would put most of the blame of that on Stephen King's book, to be honest. Um, mm. He adapted his own work as well. He did Marathon Man, which uh, was a novel that he wrote. And uh, But the film that I chose is uh, the one which he regards as... Um, the most joyful experience he's ever had writing anything. And I thought when I was looking through all his back catalogue of films that I would have to go with him and I chose uh, The Princess Bride. Oh, wow. That's just, that's just fantastic. Grandfather's here. Can't you tell me I'm sick? I'll pinch my cheek. I hate that. Maybe he won't. Hey, I was just sick. Huh? I brought you a special present. What is it? It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you. Did you know it was based on a book? I, I suppose most people do, but were you aware of it? Oh, yeah, I knew it was based on a book. I'd never read it. I've never read it, because it, was, it, was it Rob Reiner? Did he read it to his kids or something like that? So I can't remember the genesis of how it became, you know, a screenplay, but yeah. Yeah, so Rob Reiner, um, 
he started looking for material and he remembered that book and uh, he reached out to William Goldman and said, you know, would you be interested in, in allowing me to adapt it? And he had no idea that William Goldman had been attempting to have it um, translated into a film for about a decade. But yeah, I read the book and the book is fantastic. It has this narrative device where I guess in the film, right, you've got Peter Falk playing the granddad. And the granddad comes over and he starts telling the story to um, Kevin Arnold from the Wonder Years. Uh, but in the book, William Goldman sort of plays the role of the granddad. So the way that he frames the book is that he creates a fictional version of himself where he pretends to have a son and in reality he has two daughters. And um, he sort of frames it as he found this classic book, this book that was written by S. Morgenstern called The Classic Tale of uh, True Love and High Adventure, The Princess Bride. And he decides to um, bring this book to a whole new audience and he's going to cut out all the boring bits and he's going to keep all the good bits. And um, mm. But it's it's a, a, a real book. And yeah, he sort of plays with the whole thing of like interrupting the, the book to sort of say, well, this section is just, it's all kissing and you don't want to hear about that and I'm going to cut this out. And um, this was a great chapter, but it's actually kind of dull. And if anybody wants to read this chapter, you can... Uh, send a letter to the publisher and we'll send you the actual chapter, but I've left it out of this because it's, <laughs> it's really sort of, um, it, it's, it's tedious and what have you. And it was all sort of just a flight of fancy. He, he just created this version of himself and then created this fake author to sort of tell this story. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen, uh, the princess bride, it's, it's, it's a lovely little film, but it's a swashbuckling fairy tale about a farmhand who, um, becomes a pirate uh, named Wesley, and he embarks on a quest to rescue his true love, the betrothed Princess Buttercup from the dastardly, wicked uh, King Humperdinck. I love those names. Um, mm. And to think that that film came out of the mind of the guy that did Is It Safe and The Marathon Man and All the President's Men, and yeah, it's a uh, that's range. Oh man, it is. You can just. You can actually feel him, you can feel it being like a relief exercise, you know, to, as a break from writing all that, writing all those um, kind of gritty movies. And the exercise of doing that must have been a great relief and a great joy um, for him. Well, he wrote it for uh, his daughters. His daughters used to come to him and say, Dad, tell me a story. And he said, yeah, okay, well, what kind of story do you want? And they wanted to hear stories about princesses and brides. And so he combined them. <laughs> but... um it was years before I came to that film because of that title. And it was only when I uh, saw a trailer and I saw Andre the Giant was in it that I wanted to see it. But the scene that I went with was to the pain. To the death. No. To the pain. I don't think I'm quite familiar with that phrase. I'll explain and I'll use small words. When I was ones. a kid and I was watching the film, I remember just being completely blown away by the fact that Wesley dies uh, at the beginning of the third act and in comes Billy Crystal with this magic pill coated in chocolate that can bring him back from the, the dead. But when it brings him back, he's completely paralysed. So you've got your hero going in to raid the castle to save the princess and he can't move any part of his body. And so it becomes um, Enio and, and uh, uh, Fezzik carrying him through the, the castle and then plopping him on a bed. He cannot move a muscle but he has to bluff his way into overcoming the villain. And uh, it was such a, a, a clever and fun and a reverent scene, and I just love it. That is what the pain means. It means I leave you in anguish. 
wallowing in freakish misery forever. I think you're bluffing. It's possible, pig. I might be bluffing. It's conceivable, you miserable, vomitous mass. I'm only lying here because I lack the strength to stand. Then again, perhaps I have the strength after all. That's brilliant. It really is. It's uh, All of these characters just pop in that film. I'm waiting to find a moment to get my kids to watch this one. I'm going to wait another year or two and um, I'm going to spring it on them. Um, but that's a great pick, Kevin. Yeah, William Goldman, man. And he also did a film which doesn't get him as much love as, as I think it deserves, and that's Maverick. I love that film. The Richard Donner Western with Mel Gibson and Jodie Foster, uh, based on the, the James Garner series. Oh. It's such a fun film. You know, I completely forgot that he wrote that. Completely forgot. Jesus, yeah. that was a great, that's great. It's such a romp. Yeah, it really is. Well, you know what? You know what else he did? He wrote eighteen unproduced scripts, and that—that that is something I think that we both can achieve. <laughs> we're, we're well on the way. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. It's great pick. So that was my pick, but now I want to hear what yours is. Will, what is your favorite scene from your favorite writer? Okay, uh, you, you, you did. You, you really um, showed me up because you truly did your um, homework there. Um, Dude, I it's going to not... be a competition every week and I hope to win <laughs> every time. I will, I will, you know, I can guarantee you're going to win every time. I How I selected my, I just went with my gut and I just thought about um, some of my favourite films and I thought about who made and wrote some of my favourite films and it was a very kind of clear standout. Oh, it's going to be Showgirls again, isn't it? <laughs> how did you know? Damn it. Oh my God. I never stop talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's always there. Um uh, so, uh, but I'm going to see if you can guess it, right? Okay. I'm going to give you. So, uh, the, some of the films that um, my choice have um, written include the biographical war drama Unbroken from 2014, the historical legal thriller Bridge of Spies from 2015, and lesser lo- lesser known, commercially unsuccessful comedies such as Crime Wave from 1985, The Naked Man 1998, and Colin first Gambit from 2012. Any idea? I have not seen any of those films, so I have right. no idea. Okay, no, so- I've, seen, I've seen Bridge of Spies, obviously. That was a good film. Yeah. Um, Crime Wave? Uh, uh, no. I'll give you a couple of more titles. They Don't also please. they also. This is wrote- your favourite writer? Yeah. Well, it's a day now, okay? So they also wrote um, Blood Simple, uh, Barton Fink, Cudsucker Proxy, uh, oh come on! That's... <laughs> <laughs> yep. See, it's... I when I picked my guy, he had never directed, and I thought it would be a cheat to pick a director. Damn. But um, yeah, that that's a great pick, and they came in higher than William Goldman on the the vulture list of top screenwriters. So there you go. Oh, well, that's I just went for like they consistently, you know, are just great storytellers, filmic storytellers. And I know what you mean. I probably should have just gone for the writer, but I just went, oh, they're just great screenwriters as well. And the film that I picked from their catalogue, the reason I love the reason, first of all, I would say why I love the Coen brothers so much. And I think they're actually my favorite filmmakers is because they 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 make what they want to make whether you like it or not they're making the film they want to make they tell stories so unconventionally at times and they they book trends and they always and the weird thing about my 
relationship with the um, their films is that quite often I come out of their films on my first viewing not particularly liking them. Like, I remember not really liking Big Lebowski the first time I saw it. Mm. And I remember not really, like, digging No Country for All Men the first time I saw it. Um, and I think the same with Miller's Crossing. But there, the other thing Why about is that? Why do you think that is? Ah, because I think they are so unconventional. They they are breaking the norms. Like, I think my kind of, like, ingrained instinct for classic story structure, not, not like, a conscious one, but a subconscious level, that it's kind of like they book against it. And uh, as a result, but they're not telling a bad story. What it, what it, what it's creating in me is a sense of curiosity where I go, what's going on there? It's like this, there's a sense of, you've done something strange and I don't know if I don't, if I, if I like it or not. But when I go back, I go, oh, when you kind of, when I know what they're actually what their end goal is, I go back and I enjoy the, um, I enjoy the films uh, uh, more and more. And I just find myself continuously going back to their films over and over again. And like Miller's Crossing is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, uh, you know, The Big Lebowski is just great fun. And No Country for All Men is just astounding in what, what they did, the boldness in their storytelling. And Fargo, Fargo was great. Evan, what you just said is sweet, sweet music to my writer's ears. Because <laughs> the film I'm choosing is, is the Coen Brothers Fargo. It's the Coen Brothers. Fargo, the Coen Brothers, the movie. It's the documentary on the Coen the Brothers. The movie that I made myself and I wrote it great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's Fargo. It's Fargo, and here's the trailer. Mr. Lundegaard, you mind if I sit down? Drank quite a load here. Where's Jerry? Got your damn money. Now, where's my daughter? Jeez. What a good shit. We now want the entire 80,000. I answered the darn. I'm cooperating here. You have no call to get snippled with me. I'm just doing my job here. <gasps> what do you fellas got yourself mixed up in? Police! So, is there anything else you can tell me about him? He wasn't circumcised. Oh yeah. That was a that was a, a clip from the trailer of Fargo. Since I started really getting into this film, it has bugged me so much that commentators on this film have all poo-pooed the the it's the high school buddy not even buddy someone they knew and everyone said well that yeah that scene doesn't really you know make a lick of sense or it doesn't really add up if you took that scene out the film wouldn't work is it they're completely completely wrong um they're completely it's so critical but i was like them i thought that no man i was like why what's this the design is there you just have to look at it you just have to look at it and just watch it as obsessively as i've watched it now the reason i love fargo the reason I love Fargo, and I'll get to my best bit of Fargo. The reason I love it is because Fargo came out in the like ninety six. I'm pretty sure it came out in ninety six, and it was that was in the era in the nineteen nineties, which was dominated by Quentin Tarantino's kind of like um, you know sexy gangsters uh, crime and, gangsters, and, yeah. and it it's, it was there. It glorified and 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 sexified violence and gun violence, and made all these gangsters sexified. Really, that's sexified. Good that's good. There you go. Um, but it it kind of irked me as well. It really did bug me. I was like going. I used to think, ah, yeah, okay, these guys, you know, they're shooting me, but you know, ah, you know, fine, it's fun and whimsical to watch. But in 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 Fargo, the criminals, okay, to give you an idea, the plot of Fargo, I'm sure everyone who's listened to this knows the plot of Fargo. It's like about, you know, uh, uh, William H Macy's sniveling car salesman, and he needs money for a, a big business deal, 
So he plots to have his wife kidnapped and have his father, his father-in-law pay the ransom. And everything goes wrong. Like as soon as everything ha- starts, it, the kidnap starts to go into motion. It just goes wrong. She uh, falls down the stairs, and knocks herself out when they're when they're driving back to their hideout with the 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 wife in the booth in the back seat. I think you know they, <laughs> uh, they they get pulled over and they shoot a cop, and then some other innocent bypassers come by and they, they, the criminals shoot these guys. They're reactionary. They're dumb. They're criminals are reactionary and dumb and they're bumbling and they're buffoons and what i love about it is that in the midst of all that and about unconventionally or kind of our hero of the film appears like not in the thir- first third of the film she comes in like after the first third of the film's happened and it's like francis mcdormand's heavily pregnant marge gunderson and she comes in and she's investigating the crime scene now she's not a super cop but she's competent and she's good and she's wholesome she does her job efficiently yeah, it had that lovely sort of sequence, didn't they, where it would just be her and her husband in bed. You know, that's what also makes their scripts so wonderful, is that they're so detailed, they're so specific. Like, you know, they, they even, like, I read a lot of the script, actually, for this, and it's just a pleasure to read. Um, notoriously, you know, a lot of people, like, you know, it's been said that they, you don't deviate from their scripts, um, and that you, you say exactly what's on the page, but you can see... As it should this, be. This, as it, as it should, nothing should change. But not, but in, but it's not totally true because uh, the scene I'm going to pick is um, is a scene where where Marge Gunderson has kind of followed a, a couple of breadcrumbs. She's not doing intensive, you know, police work, but she's followed uh, followed a couple of bread, uh, breadcrumbs down to Brainerd, which is the city where William H Macy's character is. And um, when she's there, she hooks up with Johnny Wadiki. <laughs> <laughs> Have another go at that, <laughs> Johnny Wanakita. Uh, Johnny Johnny Wanakiwa. I don't know. Isn't it? Isn't it Mike Yanagi? Yanagi. Mikey Yanagita. That's it. There yeah. you go. That sounds better. So <laughs> well, I she, got IMDb up here, so I'm cheating. So first of all, she goes in and she has a meeting with William H Macy's character because the cars that the dudes are driving, the criminals are driving, are from his bloody lot. Like you know, there there's a direct link. Okay, so that's a d- dumb criminal plot element number one. And he kind of fobs her off successfully at the first time, but that uh, so she's she's already had this um, meal with Mikey, who's made a pastor and told her about you know told her about like how his wife died and it was his school sweetheart and stuff like that. Now Marge then she has his her first meeting with Jerry Jerry Lundegaard, and she she leaves it feeling okay. This guy's a bit this guy's a bit ropey or there's something here, but she kind of like puts it to the back of her mind, and she's about to leave. She's about to leave her hotel to return to her, to, uh, to her her own home when she rings like one of her her um, her people at the base and says, "Oh, I met Mikey," and uh, she said, "Oh, it's really sad about you know her, his wife dying," and the woman at the other end of the phone says, "What are you talking about? She's not dead. She's married someone else. He's full of shit, like you know." And you can see in that moment the penny drops mm. in Marge Gunderson. She goes, "Oh shit." And it's like, she goes, hang on a second, he's full of shit. And immediately, you can see in the performance, you can see her thinking, that Jerry Lundegaard, I'm fucking, he's full of shit too. It says, I, I, something's up with him. And immediately you go, do a hard cut to her going back into the um, Jerry Lundegaard's office. Mr. Lundegaard, sorry to bother you again. Can I come in? Yeah, no, I'm kind of, I'm uh, kind of busy here. I understand. I'll keep it real short then. I'm on my way out of town, but I was wondering... Do you mind if I sit down? Carrying a bit of a load here. No. I... Yeah, it's this vehicle I asked you about yesterday. I was just wondering. Yeah, like I told you, we haven't had any vehicles go missing. 
Okay. Are you sure? Because, I mean, how do you know? Because of the crime I'm investigating, the perpetrators were driving a car with dealer plates, and they called someone who works here, so it'd be quite a coincidence if they weren't, you know, connected. Yeah, I see. So, how do you... Have you done any kind of inventory recently? The car's not from our lot, ma'am. But how do you know that for sure without doing a... Well, I would know. I'm the executive sales manager. Yeah, but I And of course, like, with this, with this um, film, you know, it opens with the title card that's based on a true story. And famously, that's bullshit. But it is actually based on true stories. It is there, like, you know, there's a true, there is a case of, there was a case in uh, in Minnesota where a husband did kidnap his wife. And there's another case of, if you remember uh, one of the early scenes uh, with Jerry Lundegaard, where he's trying to sell the true coat to this, this couple who've come in for the true coat and who've come in for the car. And he says, and he's basically trying to upsell them as the car has been delivered. And the guy is just losing it, but like really politely losing it. That is a true story. That actually literally happened to Ethan Cohn or Joel Cohn, like verbatim with some, uh, some sales guy tried to pull that number on them. And, um, I just think that they they litter their stories, their screenplays with such specificity that you know I think is a great lesson for anyone who's writing anything. You know, if you if you can if you can put in the detail and the texture like that. You're darn tootin'. So damned important to you. I'm sorry, sir. Ah, what the Christ! And what I love about this scene specifically. This is the first time that juries come under like pressure from the cops. And what happens? What does he? What does he do as a character? He doesn't hold his cool. He just flips. He flips. For, he goes, you know, I'm just, I, 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 I'm working with you here. I'm working with you here. And then he's so stupid that when she, he says, I'll go do a count. He just storms out. And that brilliant reveal, like it's so unexpected where she's just sitting there and all of a sudden she sees him driving by and she's going, he's fleeing, he's running. Like it went from like, yeah, um, maybe this guy should be looked at. To, oh my God, he definitely is the guy. You know, well, who among us hasn't run away from the police? I mean, come on. <laughs> but, you know, there's an interesting thing. If you look at the script, you know, in that clip that I have there, you know, if you pull up the script, you'll see the deviations that they made from the actual page. And um, there's a couple of, there's one specific ADR, like half a line that they inserted uh, for Marge. But also there's a beat in there. Jerry kind of like kicks uh, kicks out at her, right? And he kind of like says, well, I'm, you know, I'm cooperating here. And she knows that he's, he's meaning business and she stands up. And no, that's in, not in the script. She actually, she physically stands up and you can feel, okay, she's making, she's literally changing the tone of this. But then when she, when he leaves to go out and um, when he leaves to go out and do the car count, she says, she says, oh, can I use your phone? And she immediately, in the script, she immediately starts dialing the, her, her base station to say, oh, there's something suspicious about that. But they change that when in the, sh- in the scene, in the shooting scene. And I'm so glad they did because the payoff of her just seeing him and the audience seeing Jerry fleeing is so hilarious and 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 brilliant that you know it's just utterly delightful. So um, that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that film is delightful. Yeah. Well, I think that's an excellent choice. And um, yeah, so that's the format. But usually, you know, going forward, it will be uh, a different scene theme. So we won't be talking about the same stuff. 
um, for a full episode, but uh, jumping around from topic to topic. Um, but now we basically have to figure out what next week's scenes are going to be. And um, mm-hmm. the only way that we could think to do that was to put all these different concepts into a, a big wheel and to spin it. And whatever comes up, uh, that will be the scene topic that uh, one of us talks about. So do you want to go first, Will, or will I go first? Maybe you go first, Kevin, because I have to pull up my big wheel. <laughs> not here in front of me. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. If you can't get it, I can just spin it twice and, and tell you, and I can lie and pick something really awful. <laughs> right. Do you want, So are you going to spin for me? Uh, I can... You spin... No, I'll, I say we spin for ourselves. Oh, okay. Right. Go on. Okay. No, no. You should spin for me. And tell okay. me, and you okay. tell me what I what the, the, the topic. That'll be more. Okay, of a... all right. I can't cheat that way. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Spinning. Best. Oh, it's a very easy one. Best Harrison Ford scene. Oh, thank you, thank you so <laughs> much. Like, oh. God, yeah. I should add an addendum to that where it's not Han Solo, yes. not Indiana Jones. <laughs> you want to know something? Okay, you can easily do that. I'm, I'm easily. I nah, would, just no, 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 no. I'm not going that way. I, oh yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Okay, Kevin, I am spinning for you now. Oh my God, I can hear it spinning in my ear, and it is coming to a stop. And Kevin, your I'm scared. Your best bits topic for next week is best chase scene oh okay that's a good one but that is so open-ended yes there are probably there were probably a thousand chasings yes so the best chasing wow well if you do the same amount of research i do which is basically (laughs) close your eyes for two seconds and the first the first image that pops into your brain let that be it then it should be easy. Chariots of Fire. Oh, okay, this is this is a film that's supposed to be about the best bits, Kevin. Okay, yeah, we're exactly. Got, we're not gonna, we're not gonna keep it positive. Dump, keep keep it positive. positive. Keep it positive. We're not dumping on anything here. Um, so, so there you go. Bits. So next week, oh, it's best chase scene for me, and it's best Harrison Ford scene for you. That'll be fun. You see, this is lovely because you know, in a, in our kind of like cluttered lives, this gives me a kind of a, a lovely little deviation. It gives you purpose. Purpose. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely the best bit of this show at the end <laughs> <laughs> alright see you everyone talk to you soon the best bits podcast is produced by Will and Kevin all audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended if you enjoyed this episode please like, share, subscribe race, review all that good stuff. If you have any notes, comments, scene suggestions, or just want to get in touch with us, email us at bestbitspodcast at gmail.com. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Mini bits. Another new episode. Of this Patreon podcast. Exclusive. The best bits podcast with Will and Kev Bonus content for you, yeah That's right, this is for you Not for them, just for you The best bits 
Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corns sorted out. I went to the Chiroptus the other day and uh, she Your said... corn? Uh, my corns. Did you, you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that. Do you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house you walk no, barefoot? No, I, I wear, no, it's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women. Oh. Who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of this yeah. last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a mini bits episode where we get people disgusted. Squally, it's episode 73 of the mini bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, your Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode. And then every so often, it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode. And yeah. I'm like, what did we, how did we say it? What did we say on that episode? It's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes. Maybe it didn't sound as desperate. Maybe we said, don't join. Maybe reverse psychology. That's how we should do it. Reverse psychology. Don't join up to our patron. Don't. <laughs> cancel. You don't des- Everybody cancel. You, you don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look need of you. you. We, don't, we don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people? We, we did, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't say it on mic. Especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did, yeah. And uh, how do you think yeah. I? How do you think I did? I, I, I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once, so I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with. Did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were, they were profiled in the Gar- Guardian as well. Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. We don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're you're you're, you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG listener. Before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Those I, are my Prince Albert. <laughs> Your hat. Yeah. I want Speaking of, of the, which, I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glitch. Yeah. Like starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what, we, what, did, what did you want to speak of, which? Start the timer. Oh, I forgot. You may as well. Start the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after. Yeah. We, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to thing. watching that. Okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um, what else did I see? I made notes, but sure. You it doesn't did. really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh. takes your fancy. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So, um, I'm well, the Joker to your... two trailer came out today. I saw it. 
Yes, I watched that. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like you see it's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look, hey, listen. Uh, I, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was a kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be... Just to fill me in like on the lore. Get up to speed. Get you right up to speed. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll be there going, where where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? When are they going to show up? And like... It's a bit of a weird time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is its own universe entirely. Mm. And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP. But like this, just everywhere. What, well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the, the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff oh oh this is the insane. thing Kevin so <laughs> I'm only catching up on this you mentioned it to me on a on a pod, on a podcast Wait, was it on one of those uh, it was the last show? it was the last mini bits uh, I you, think. you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently and have you started noticing it though only 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 with people trying to rise you that's the only type only where, place where I've noticed people no, people on Discord are trying to every, rise you oh my god oh my god I could start posting though like um, tweets, comments, TikToks, uh, articles, anything. Insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. Okay. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's it's everywhere. And the other thing, do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? Wow. wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. It would just, they were morons. But no, I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word. A-L-O-T, a lot. Where has, where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, (laughs) but I can't get it right. It's like the you I. Because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I would found myself writing the word compliments. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. (laughs) Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? 
Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. Do you know, I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start I have the timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Okay. Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? Here we go. The timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right. 